0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Walton BizTalk, where we have casual conversations about professional things. We're a student-run podcast created by the Business Communication Lab in the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm Ryan Decker.
1: And I'm Jesse Schneeblen.
0: As we shift to working from home, learning from home, or even just staying at home, we're relying a lot more on digital forms of communication. Since this is probably a big change for a lot of us, it can be confusing to navigate the changing environment. So today we're going to talk about digital communication, uh the different types of platforms that exist, digital communication best practices and the pros and cons of it.
1: We should also point out that we're um hosting this podcast remotely.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so digital
1: platform. <laughs> yeah.
0: So as everyone else shifts to digital communication, so do we. So we have to be mm-hmm. adaptable and uh really figure that out as well. Yeah. So besides podcasting, Jesse, how much more time are you spending on digital communication these days?
1: Um, well, I'm using my eye drops a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, a lot more than I'm comfortable with and, and not just a matter of like comfort, but I think you really have to take some screen time breaks. Um, mm-hmm. Example, you know, normally when I just like pop out of my office and engage with our staff and ask. Or like do a quick explanation of you know what a project is. Now I have to like craft an entire email that includes all the details, and then do a Teams or a Skype call um, just for like very small tasks. So sometimes it feels like I'm doing a lot more work with a lot less payoff. <laughs> um, so it, it's been it's been interesting, but you know I'm also doing Zoom calls with friends, um, you know online happy hours, using apps and and different things. So I feel like I'm online constantly. How about you, Ryan? What's, uh, what's digital communication like for you as a student?
0: Oh, I completely agree. So since I'm still working at the BCL and learning from home and all of that, there's a lot of time at the computer. So mm-hmm. I definitely feel like I'm at my desk all day, uh, whether it's you know, doing work on the computer or Skype calls or Zoom calls or things like that, um, as well as sending emails. And that's one of the things that uh, I joke around with a lot of my friends that it seems like I'm almost busier now than I was when I was actually in school, uh, which seems kind of the opposite of what you'd think. But I think it really comes down to this uh, being forced to use digital communication and sending a lot more emails. And, um, you know, whether it's a video call or explaining different things like that it takes a lot of time and it's one of those things that I know when I was at the BCL I could just pop into your office ask you a quick question and walk right out and it took maybe a minute or two and now like you said you have to craft an email and uh, hop on a call and things like that and it just takes a little bit more time.
1: Well it's also and I think you know just to point this out communication is so important your communication skills um, I'm hoping people are realizing now more than ever that writing is actually an essential skill um, because now we're being forced to write a lot, um, a lot more in terms of like email communication and just the, you know, I'm I'm already, I'm in the writing field, but I'm already having to write almost 10 times more than I was on a daily basis. So it's, exactly. Even though we're using digital forms of communication, I feel like writing has just been at the forefront of everything we're doing uh, with the shift to technological communication.
0: I completely agree. Yeah. That's one of the things that there's a lot of different types of digital communication as well. Um, So I know we've talked a little bit about video calls or instant messaging or emails or various things like that. Um, What do you find yourself using most out of all of those? Or is it kind of a combination of all of them?
1: You know, um, I'm actually, I mean, well, I think we're doing everything a lot more, but I'm instant messaging a lot, a lot more. Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more casual. So using Teams or some kind of chat uh, space, I can quickly just shoot a message just like, hey, where are you at on this? Rather than having to craft like a professional email. Um, so communicating with team members. in Um, Other organizations that I'm a part of has been really uh, helpful to just have that instant messaging, whether that's, you know, for us, it's teams mostly, but I know a lot of other students and a lot of other spaces are utilizing group chats. So WhatsApp uh, WhatsApp and group and all those sort of things. So for me, I think it's a lot easier to use instant messaging for those spaces. Like when you have quick questions and you're in a more casual space, um, of course. Email communication um, has been ramped up, and I'm, I'm, I've found that I prefer to use video, so at first I was like, oh, I won't see people for a while, but now it's like um, having those team meetings and that, that, those Zoom chats, those video chats, um, has been a really helpful, I think, professionally just to get uh, more collaboration, and, and you know, our, our work at the BCL is really collaborative uh, by nature. And that's really hard to do when you're just messaging or um, communicating via email. So for collaboration, video has been um, really helpful. What are you using, Ryan, for like your classes? And like what kind of stuff are you finding that you're doing?
0: Yeah, I agree, especially with your collaboration point. I want to talk about that a little later. Um, As far as for classes and different things like that, I don't have any... Synchronous classes, so I don't have any zoom meetings or anything like that um, That are at a certain time for me to attend like I would in normal class Um, And it's primarily all asynchronous, so whether the lecture videos are uploaded to blackboard um, Or there are assignments that I just have to communicate with my professors via email or something like that um, That's primarily what I've been using for actual college classwork Uh, But obviously, at the BCL, uh, we're doing a lot more in Teams and instant messaging. And that's one of the things I like how you mentioned that, because last summer, um, I got a little bit of this digital communication. So I was at Walmart interning, and there were a lot of interns that I knew in a lot of different buildings. So it's not like I could just walk around the office and ask them a question whether we wanted to meet for lunch or something like that. Um, so I used Zoom, like the video or the instant messaging feature of Zoom uh, to contact people, ask them questions a little bit more casually. So it was it was a good way where I wouldn't have to send emails and um, do anything like that, but it was just a quick, quick question and then you mm-hmm. could get a response right away.
1: Well, I think this is something to bring up, like when should we be using what forms of communication? So let's kind of talk about that. I think um, you know, all, all of this sort of pandemic stuff hopefully will um, end at some point and we'll go back to working in person and back to our internships and back to our jobs. And so I think it's important to know when these types of communic- digital communication tools are um, appropriate and relevant in your workspace. So obviously for video, you if you're in a work office, you're going to be using that a lot less when we get back However, you're probably gonna use it for, um, you know, uh, you may do some online interviews or some video interviews, um, mostly probably a lot more email, um, but instant messaging, I I love that you brought up your internship. So obviously when you're in an internship space or professional space, you don't wanna just use the instant messaging um, tools. One, unless someone else like has set that precedent, but usually if you have project work with your supervisors, or colleagues, that's something that you can do in person. However, when you start um, having like quick questions and you start collaborating in spaces like Teams, that's when you can kind of start using those instant messaging apps. Um, what, do you, what other uh, reasons or what other ways do you find are like appropriate to use instant messaging?
0: Yeah, so I think instant messaging, especially the way I used it last summer, it was great to, um, set up the idea of a meeting, if that makes sense. So uh, just contacting someone and sending them a quick question like, hey, would you be able to meet next Tuesday or something to go over something? It's a quick question. Uh, It's not formal. And if they say, yeah, that'd be great. Then you can go to email and use like a meeting or schedule a meeting and the calendar invites and things like that in email in order to set up that exact uh, you know, time and information and provide a little bit more context that way. Um, but it's really like kind of an intermediary. Uh, so mm-hmm. similar to that example, if you have a quick question of someone, maybe uh, not necessarily your manager, but someone else who might be working on a the same project, you can send them a quick question like, hey, do you have time later to chat about this? Or can you answer this via instant message right now? Um, and it's a good way to get those quick questions answered. But once again, like what you were saying with the video calls and things like that, we used Zoom and um, other video call software and platforms to do meetings, especially because a lot of the people in the meetings were uh, not in the office. So it's a good way to get them into the meeting as well and kind of have everyone connected. But you should treat Zoom or any video call sort of like an in-person meeting um, especially yeah. when we go back because it takes a lot of time. Um, just like you would go into a conference room for a meeting at the office. Uh, that's similar to what Zoom is. And so you're you're taking the time, you're, de- you're focused on that meeting, um, talking about whatever it is you need to talk about in that meeting, and then it ends. And so I know a lot of people don't love having a lot of meetings, um, especially if they're long meetings that take the whole day because then they can't work on other project work. Um, So just being cautious with scheduling a whole bunch of video call meetings would definitely be good advice.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, well, this is just like, for me, best practices for meetings in general. Have a meeting agenda. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, um, actually, I'll never forget um, one of the things that was the most impactful for me was going into a meeting with a person who's actually in our career services at the Holton College And they had, um, they started with an overview of what they wanted to talk about and what they wanted to cover, which you know some people kind of loosely do. But then at the end of the meeting, they also had like a review, like okay, these are the things I wanted we wanted to talk about in the beginning. We kind of covered all that. Now, what are the action items? And I just felt like that was so much more efficient than going into meetings like, oh, we're gonna kind of talk about these things. Like I don't know, it's just nothing drives me. Crazy <laughs> going to a meeting where the person clearly who is running the meeting didn't prepare for the meeting. Um and just like just like kind of lets it go wherever it wants to go. It's like, no, I have 30 minutes. Um, but you should absolutely prepare for your video calls. And if you're a part of them and you're not running it, always, always mute yourself. Just mute yourself until you are called upon or until you have something to add. In fact, everyone in the call should be muted except the speaker. Um, mm-hmm. And as you have things to chime in, unmute yourself and talk. I think so many people there's you know, especially now that we're at home, there's like dogs in the background. There can be kids in the other room. Um, I got on a meeting, got out of a meeting this morning where I think someone's roommate was like playing music, and <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it like it makes other people hard to hear. So always mute yourself. That's just um, basic video etiquette. Um, and this, this is for meetings when we get back on campus and we get back in offices. You know, keep yourself muted until you're ready to go.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I try to follow is being intentional in meetings. So whether it's a meeting in person or a meeting on a call or anything, it's really important to, even if you're on a call and you um, have a lot going on, it's important to pay attention to... Mute yourself to make sure that everything's, you know, that you're almost like you're in person, uh, listening to that person. You don't want to be distracted. You don't want to be doing things that uh, would be distracting. Obviously, muting yourself, things like that, making sure that you're focused on the task at hand, and then that a lot of times will make it be shorter than it could be, right? So yeah. even if you're you're like, oh, I want to get out of this meeting, if you just take the time to focus, pay attention. Um, you know, complete the tasks at hand, and then it'll work out well for everyone. And I like that you brought up the meeting agenda and conclusion at the end, um, because that really yeah. keeps people focused. And then at the end, gives them those action items to take and work on later.
1: Yeah, I think if you think about it, if you call and maybe you're just participating in a meeting, but if you're if you call a meeting, it's really your job to have a reason and to have an agenda for those meet the people who are attending the meeting right right let them know like what the meeting is for what you're going to talk about um I mean hopefully you're kind of doing that when you set the meeting up in the first place but especially when you get there I think that can be really helpful
0: Mm -hmm. I agree and especially with video calls where let's say there's a lot of people um a lot of times some people just won't turn their video on Um, Mm -hmm. at first or um, stay muted at even at the beginning. And it, you know, a lot of times you don't want a ghost to be in your meeting. You want to know who's there. Um, So that was one of the things in the meetings we did uh, this summer in my internship is make sure no matter how big of a group it was that different groups or people introduce themselves. So we had, we had teams from all over the world um, who could have just, you know, listened and um, gotten the the gist of the meeting and gone about doing their work, but they made sure to introduce themselves, say like, this is the South America team, or this is the Asia team or whatever, just to make sure everyone knows who's in the meeting, who's hearing it. Um, and it also just kind of helps with people understanding who's who.
1: Yeah, I like I like that idea of not having a ghost in the meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that, I like that. I, I also wanna add that, um, when you're doing a video and you're doing like a conference call via video, whether you're a student or not, um show up like you would for an in person meeting so be professional even if it's just from the waist up right yeah. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but you definitely like want to come um with your best foot forward and I mean I know times are weird right now, and sometimes it can just be hard to get up and get dressed, and that that's okay um but I think you need to think about who your audience is. So maybe if it's your team and you're all sort of relaxed and casual and it's a small team meeting, sure, your T-shirt or sweatshirt or whatever is probably fine. But when you have meetings with your supervisors or if you have meetings um, with a larger group or um, if you're in a position of authority on a topic or or kind of, you know, any sort of higher level meeting, um, especially like, and this is just for even when all this stuff is over, when you go back to your office and in your in your campus, especially for interviews or pitches or presentations or any sort of video conference that you're engaging with with people you may not know, you always wanna put your best foot forward. So you wanna get dressed, you wanna be engaged, which means you wanna sit up tall and like be with the video. Um, I mean, they've, I've been in some meetings recently where someone's, you know, clearly like watching something else. Yeah. Kind of sitting, like they've got their computer to the side and they're clearly doing other things. And I think that sends the wrong message that you don't care about the topic, that you're not engaged with the meeting. So I would encourage people, you know, if you have a meeting and you're, uh, you're, you know, there and you're committed for the meeting, you need to be engaged and you need to be paying attention or give the appearance at least of paying attention so you don't leave a bad impression. Um, right. language is still very visible via video so be confident you know be authentic and and you know bring yourself to the meeting
0: it's almost more important now than it was in a meeting um because yeah. not only do you have to prove that you're there and paying attention but you also um you need to prove that you're you know listening to what they're saying and able to understand it so in a meeting in person you know you being in the room is enough a lot of times for them to say oh they're here even if they're not paying attention, really, uh, like detailed, they still get the gist of what I'm saying. But on a video call, if you're looking at something else, or not really paying attention to the speaker, or if you're uh, just kind of, you know, doing whatever you want to do, they have no idea if you're listening or not because there's so many other distractions.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: And especially, I've had a couple of interviews or presentations or various things like that over video call,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that's where it can be. Really difficult at first to kind of adjust to that because I know I love in-person interviews. Um, I could do those all day. It's really easy to you know have that connection with someone when you're in person. You can shake their hand um, and things like that. But you can't really do that anymore. So being um, you know intentional once again, sitting up straight, being confident, preparing uh, for those interviews and presentations is more important now than ever.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's really interesting. Because for some people now, this video communication may be the first impression. Mm-hmm. Um, as people are interviewing or giving presentations or even doing pitches um, for products or ideas, the, the video space might be the first impression or the first time someone hears about you or your story or your or your idea. And so being authentic, um, not memorizing a script, but like being authentic in how you present yourself is very, very important. Um one of the things in, you know, a lot of Skype interviews are really common. You know, uh, Zoom interviews are very, very common. And so making sure that you know how the technology works. Um, and I would encourage people to practice. Um, hit up a student um, that you're friends with. Or if you have a mentor or a colleague, um, see if they'll, you know, practice a Zoom meeting with you or or help you set up or something. That way you know how it works. And you know what you look like and in the space that you're in. Um, I always try to make sure that I'm in a room with the door shut. You know, I've got dogs. I've got all kinds of stuff kind of going on in my home. And so I make sure that I am, you know, in a space by myself. Um, Maybe I'm not like, I don't have the best background. Um, Maybe I'm in my bedroom instead of like my office or kitchen table. And that's okay, you know. Um, But as long as you have a background that's appropriate right you know probably mm. probably not the best impression if you sit in front of your like piles of laundry um <laughs> maybe just like push the laundry to one side of the room if you have to so you have like more of a clear clean background um because i mean those things are important too like making sure that you have um that you're maintaining professionalism even when you're in your home and this is especially important when you're doing interviews or um, you know presentations. Make sure that your sp- the space around you. And I know that people use a lot. Like, how do you? Okay, Ryan, how do you feel about these these Zoom and Teams backgrounds?
0: I was just gonna ask you the same thing. Personally, <laughs> I I really think they're very unprofessional. In my opinion, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to watch someone with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background or something. <laughs> um, especially when they don't work. And I yeah. saw this one thing online. Teams, I guess, has a feature where you can turn yourself into a potato or something. <laughs> and so that would be the worst Love case <laughs> worst case scenario. You're trying yeah. to fix the background and then you hit potato, potato and turn yourself into a potato and have to give an interview as a potato. That just, that does not sound like a good idea to me. So I try to stay clear of those backgrounds.
1: Yeah, I'd say, you know, it's really interesting because my personal opinion is I don't like them. Yeah. But my professional opinion is, um, you know, gauge your audience on, uh, you know, if you're, if we're just in a, you know, like if you and I ride, we're in a team communication for BCL projects, sure. Have a background that's, you know, that's okay. Right. Yeah. But if in a professional setting and you have a larger meeting, sometimes I think those things can be really distracting. Yeah. Now, can't get to a space that's clean in your home. Um, I know things are really hectic right now. So let's say you have kids or you have uh, roommates, or you have other things kind of going on. Um, if you absolutely can't have like a clean space in your background, then just blur your background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or do a simple background. But I, I would steer clear of using any of these things that are super distracting. Sometimes simple is just better.
0: Yeah, and that's I guess going back on what I said before, not all backgrounds are unprofessional. So like the plain backgrounds, the blur, um, even a background that's fitting to what you're talking about. Uh, so yeah. if, it's, if it's something that has to do with the meeting or the conversation you're having, that's perfectly fine. Um, but just something that I know I've seen a lot of stuff online about funny Zoom backgrounds or things like that, that wouldn't necessarily be the best idea in a professional setting.
1: What- one of the great things about most people being forced to work from home right now is that I think we're going to get so many lessons in digital communication over the last few weeks in the upcoming weeks. Um, and I think that's that's something that like good that can come out of this. Like digital communication is really important, especially as you have clients or customers or potential employers who are out of state, out of country. Um, this is something that's super normal, um, in the business world. So Ryan, can you talk, I know you've had some internships, but just, can you talk a little bit more about like, how often were you using digital communication? Like how important were you like surprised at how important it was?
0: Yeah. So I didn't really have much, um, experience with Skype or Zoom or any of that in a professional setting until I got to the internship. And so it really surprised me how often it was used. Um, especially for a big company where you have a lot of people not in the same office that you're in um, around the world. Even the only way you can communicate is through digital communication. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's really important to be proficient and um, you know, be comfortable with it. I think is the the biggest thing because you have to be able to still accomplish the tasks and goals that you need by talking to someone but it just might be it has to be virtually and so um, I got really used to it every day I'd come in check my email check my instant messages schedule meetings various things like that Um, and it's just something that you have to get in the routine and then as you keep using it and I think that's the good thing about working from home and learning from home now is that we're getting used to it we're being forced to use it even if we hadn't in the past and so um, if we if we use this time to kind of develop those skills and get used to it, then it'll be a good thing in the long run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to shift a little bit. We've talked a lot about video video calls and conferences conferences and meetings, but for a lot of students right now and and even professionals, I've had to do this too. Um, people are having to record videos. Um, they're having to record their sort of business pitches via video or presentations for class or presentations for work via video. So I kinda wanna talk about a little bit of best practices for if you're recording videos. Um, And for me, your, your prep work is very similar to if you were to give a presentation, right? Memorization is not super useful unless you're doing like a short 60 second to two minute pitch. Otherwise, if your presentations are much longer, 5, 10, 15 minutes, you can't really memorize a 15 minute script. So you really want to uh, think about presentation best practices. The great thing about being on video, though, is that you can edit or you can erase it and restart as many times as you want. So with that being said, um, my advice for recording videos would be, you know, be authentic and be yourself. That sort of in-person charisma can be lost virtually so you really have to bring it you have to stand up straight be professional be passionate about what you're talking or enthusiastic about what you're talking about um no one really wants to listen to any sort of monotone you know memorized script they want to hear um you like you are still the presentation even though you're on video right Mm -hmm. body language is still readable um and you can be you can be normal on video. I know it's super awkward. I personally, like, I don't know. I'm sure there was, like people out there who are like, I love being on camera. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I am not one of those people. And so I think you really have to, um, you really have to know your stuff the same way you would if you were giving an in-person presentation and just be comfortable in that knowledge. Like, okay, this is my project. This is my presentation. This is my uh, product or idea for a pitch. So like, I know it. And I'm the expert, so I just need to be comfortable and confident in expressing that um, via video.
0: Completely agree. And one of the things that I've seen, um, you know, you may be inclined to think, oh, since it's on my computer, it'll just be a video so I can read from the screen, like a script or whatever. And that that doesn't work, right? Because the camera is not usually where you're reading from. And so if you're constantly looking away from the camera, even if it's just slightly below it, people will be able to tell. Um, And then they know you're reading something and then it will reflect that it's probably more um, scripted or not authentic, like you said. And so preparing like you would for in-person, not being tempted by having the script in front of you, um, which I know it can be tempting to have that um, because it's, it's like a safety net. And, you know, maybe you can have it pulled up or you can have it up on your computer, just not right there right? So if you absolutely yes. need it, you can pull it up to reference back to, or even use it like a note card, have main points every every paragraph or whatever, every main idea that you're talking about, just to remind yourself, but not have the full script there to read from.
1: Yeah, I think people often assume when they are giving a presentation or recording something via video that they can, um, they can plan it all in their head, and then they can just suddenly when they talk about it, it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. But actually you, you know, I always like to say that practice makes permanent. It doesn't make perfect. It, it makes permanent. So if you're only practicing in your head, um, you're not gonna be you're not gonna do well when you try to present it out loud. You have to rehearse. Rehearse like you would if you were in a play or in theater or acting, which means you have to talk through that presentation out loud as if you were giving it before you give it the first time. And that goes for in-person presentations, pitches, and or video. Um, If you haven't gone through that out loud, then this is also true for interviews. If you haven't talked about yourself out loud, um, it's not gonna come out right from like, it's not gonna translate from your head to your voice magically when you get in front of somebody. Like you have to talk about it. And one of the things, like an example of that, you know, uh, years ago, like a couple years ago, when I was interviewing for jobs, one thing that I would always do on the drive to the job, well, I did it like way before that, as I'm prepping, but also as I'm driving to the job, I would just practice talking about myself, like practice introducing myself, like, I'm Jesse, blah, 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 and like giving my whole, like, you know, answering that dreaded first question, tell me about yourself, and like (laughs) had, um, and it wasn't memorized, so if I got to the interview and the person asked me that question, I had already talked about, about myself in like several different ways and it comes out different every time, but I knew like the four key points that I wanted to in- integrate, um, I'd already practiced. So that rehearsal really helps you um, do the thing when you get in person. And if, if you haven't rehearsed it, if you haven't um, gone through the introduction and like the middle of your slide and the conclusion, it, it's not going to work. You have to do that, that prep work.
0: I completely agree, and I love how you said that it comes out different every time. I yeah. think that's really important because the goal of a presentation is not to have, or at least at our level, is not to have a script that you read from, that that's the only thing you can say. You can't say anything else because then, I mean, unless you're really, really, really good at memorizing and still having the Uh, authenticity with it it's not going to work really well because especially with video communication or um, like on a video call if something happens if there's a technical difficulty that interrupts you or someone can't hear you um, and they stop you mid script it's really hard to get back into the script and it'll mess you up and then you won't be you won't be prepared and it'll really you'll get frazzled and then you won't know how to keep going.
1: Yeah I I would say like 95 like just don't memorize like even actors trained actors who memorize scripts they have to do retake after retake after retake right Mm -hmm. like they don't just get up there and perform it maybe theater people do now that's something completely different (laughs) Um, but the key there though is that we don't actually know when they're messing up
0: yeah that's the thing there's so much improv that goes on with it too
1: yeah a lot of times you
0: can't even tell
1: And that's because those people in theater keep going, right? Mm -hmm. They don't draw attention to the fact that they've messed up. Um, You can't even tell because they don't stop and they're not like, oh, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I I lost, you know, I lost where I was at. Now I messed up, right? You have to just go with it. And like, we're only going to know you're messing up if you give us a cue that you're messing up.
0: Exactly. And if you know the main point, if you know the, purpose of whatever you're saying you can come up with some other way to say it and I think that's that's the biggest thing that I've seen in presentations and speeches is if you look at the speech or the presentation as just words on a page without understanding why you're saying what you're saying you're bound to mess up and then you won't know how to get back into it but you have if you have those main ideas if you have the points that you want to get across you can keep those in mind as you go through and then be like okay Even though I forgot exactly how I wanted to say this, I can still say it in some other way.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, for those students of the Walton College who are listening, um, the Business Communication Lab has a great resource website that has a lot of information on business writing and communication that you can look at. Um, And just if you don't, if you're unsure as to whether or not your email communications are professional, if you're unsure, you know, what they're supposed to look like. Um you can always go to Walton.uark.edu slash business dash communication dash lab and you can find a lot of resources or schedule an appointment with us.
0: One last question before we go, Jesse. I'm really interested in this. Do you think I know everyone's working from home, learning from home, uh spending a lot more time at home now? Do you think after the pandemic is over, do you think we're gonna go back to the way it exactly was? Or do you think we're going to you know have a lot more people working from home and learning from home or kind of somewhere in the middle
1: that is a fantastic question and I'm not good at you know predicting but um you know actually Mark Zwag has a face or not a Facebook a LinkedIn article that he wrote about this where he talks about his five predictions for post-pandemic life um, and one of them he has on there regarding at home work that I read and I thought was really interesting. And I, I kind of lean along these lines as well. And he just talks about how um, I think companies and hopefully organizations and companies will realize and see that a, that people can work from home, right? And and they're and can still maintain productivity. So hopefully, out of that, um, there will be a little bit more flexibility in terms of okay, if I have kids. Um, and I need to take a day to work from home, or maybe I, um, you know, have other things I need to do, and I can do them from home, um, or I can do them on the road, or or I can do them from a coffee shop, and I don't have to spend all 40 hours of the work week in the office, right? Um, that I think that is something that will come out of it. I mean, I think most people who know me know that I, I I don't agree with the forty-hour work week in general. <laughs> <laughs> I really think that uh, there should—I I really look forward to the day when there is more innovation uh, surrounding the American forty-hour work week. Um, I really, I really do. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I can be the one to innovate it. I don't know. But there are a lot of other successful models that we could be looking at, um, especially in like tech fields. Um, and different companies and organizations who don't have that sort of strict western work week and i think hopefully this will be a catalyst to innovate that space
0: i agree and i think this forced innovation uh, that has come along with the pandemic is something that's kind of making us realize you know what do we really need what are the essentials here what is what creates value and so Uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see how companies and different individuals come out of this pandemic with the different mindsets. I've heard anything from, oh, people will go back to working in person more than they ever have before. Um, And, you know, maybe they even require more space between desks to, you know, Mm. enforce more social distancing, even when you're all in an office. So maybe they need more space for an office all the Mm. way to, no one will go back into work, people will be moving out of big cities, office spaces will go away, um, and people will spend a lot more time at home. So, it could be anywhere between that, and it'll be really interesting to see where it ends up.
1: Yeah, I think one thing is for certain, um, life is going to be different one way or another, um, whether through the skills that we've learned, or I I think though, I think life is going to look a little bit different, um, but with all these sort of problems and all these issues come to really great innovation to solve them. So new problems, new solutions. So I'm interested to see what it will look like.
0: Yeah, me too. And as they say, the only constant is change. So we'll, we'll (laughs) see, we'll see how it changes in the future.
1: That's true.
0: All right. Well, thank you for talking with me today, Jesse. And uh, we'll see you all next week for another episode of Walton Biz Talk. Great.
1: thanks for having me.